thank you, Lord, for everything, 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 everything. God, I pray that you would pronounce your judgment over everyone in this room that we are righteous because of your son's blood. Your judgment against us is all Jesus' righteousness, holiness. God, we just thank you, Lord, that everything he is, you would make us, Lord. God, I pray that we would have his strength and his singleness of mind, Lord, that we would walk in your steps and follow you, follow you in Jesus' name, in everything, Lord. Everything, everything, everything everything. God, I pray that you'd come into this moment right now and you would just consume it with yourself. Just evaporate all the thoughts and worry and anything else. You are our focus right now. In this moment, you are our focus. We cancel every assignment of the enemy that would come in and try to distract anyone or to cause any any harm in any way. In Jesus' name, God, I cancel that in Jesus' name. In mighty name of Jesus, this place is holy ground. Holy ground. Father God, have your way in this place. In every person that's here. Lord God, we are here to hear from you. We are here because of you. Absolutely because of you. And we want to hear from you. And we want you to have your way in this place. We pray that you would just take over. Take over my mouth, my mind. Help me to say what you want me to say. Take over all of our minds, Lord God, that we would receive what you want us to receive. In Jesus' mighty name, I plead the blood of Jesus over every person here. And I ask you to make yourself big in all of us, Lord. Make yourself big in us. Huge. Let our lights shine for you. God, we know that you don't make no junk. And we look good. But God, we want you to be the prevalent thing that people see. We want people to see you in us. That when they walk away, they say, I feel like I've just been with God. Or we, we, we want big things. And we want you. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord. God, we just thank you that you you are everything we need, so we have no lack. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You know, I, I heard a story recently. There was this godly woman. She Okay, first I want to tell you about a guy. He was an evangelist, a traveling evangelist. He went into this town to have a revival service, right? He shows up at the pastor's house, opened the door, and the pastor says, come on, get in my truck, we're going. He says, where are we going? He says, we went to the mental hospital. <laughs> so they walk into, and, and they're thinking, oh, well, I'm not that bad of a preacher, he's thinking. You don't have to lock me up in an institution. Like, I'm just, I just say I'm a Jesus freak. Anyway, he, he ends up going to the mental institution because the man, the pastor, had a woman in his church who had recently had a breakdown, and she was in the institution there. They walked in, and the guy sees this woman. She's, she's a lovely lady, but she's just gone. She's just gone. And like any child of God, you see another child of God beat up, you get mad. And he got upset and he just walked in. And the, 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 the hospital staff had told him, no Jesus stuff. 
when he walked in. No Jesus stuff. No Jesus stuff. So he just smiled. Because he knew he was all about Jesus stuff. And he didn't want to lie, so he just smiled. <laughs> like, aren't you cute? <laughs> so he walks in, and he literally just takes the Word of God, and he starts speaking into this woman, the Word of God, the Word of God, the Word of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are beloved of the Lord. All these things he kept speaking into her, speaking into her, speaking into her. And, and, and nothing, nothing. And then... <sighs> The hospital staff found out that he was doing Jesus stuff, so they kicked him out. But right after they left, the woman came to her senses, and she was perfectly well. That woman had lived 30 years in an emotionally abusive relationship. Her husband had told her all these years how terrible she was. What a loser she was. He just beat her up with his words and his agendas and his thoughts and his treatment over and over again until finally one day that woman agreed with it. And she said, I must be these things. And she went like that. She lost her mind. And they put her in an institution. And the only thing that could bring her back is the truth of Almighty God just beating that hatred out of her, beating it out, beating it out, beating it out until she came back to the reality that no lie can come against, and that is God's reality of who she was in the Lord. Because the enemy wants to devalue you. He wants to devalue us so he can enslave us, so he can stop us, so he can derail us. In Matthew 4, 1 through 11, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. That was why he went there, to be tempted by the devil. That was the whole purpose, purpose of it. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and he was hungry. I fasted 40 days, but I had juice and probably some milk, too. (laughs) 40 days he fasted. He's in the wilderness. He has no food. And Satan comes to tempt him. When he was at his weakest point, Satan came. And he said these words. He said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. He's hungry. Right? Right? Jesus wrote, Jesus answered back. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Mm-hmm. So he brings it back to God. Then the devil says to him again, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He takes him to the highest point in the temple. And he says, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. So now he's using the word of God. Jesus answers, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to a test. So the devil comes back, he shows him all the kingdoms of the world, and he says, I will give you all of this if you bow down to me and worship me. Right? And he says, get away. Jesus said, get away, Satan, for it is written, you shall not worship anyone but God and serve him only. So the devil left, trials over, angels came and ministered to Jesus. Rightly so, they call that the temptations that Jesus had to face in the wilderness. And he was tempted. But I call it the accusations. 
Because you know that he starts out two of the temptations he starts out with, if you are the Son of God. If. If you are the Son of God. If you are the Savior of the world. If. The devil knew full well who Jesus was. He came, that was an accusation to make him doubt who he was and why he was sent there. He knew full well because he'd been trying to kill him for 30 years. So this is an accusation against his heart and soul, his identity and who he was, right? But every time that he spoke to him, he brought it back to God. I think that's kind of awesome because Satan hated God. So just keep reminding him of his creator. Reminding him of this God who he serves. And he says, I'm not falling for this. I love God. I'm not falling for this. I love God. Every time. Every time. Jesus came back every time. And he humbly surrendered himself to the Lordship of the Father. Every time. So Satan, it's kind of like this. Satan saying to him, leave God, worship me, give me your authority. That's what his whole game plan with us. He sees a child of God that is loved by God, called by God, has a destiny in his life, and he says over and over and over again, leave God, worship me, give me your authority. He's a thief. Leave God, worship me, give me your authority. What's he after? Yeah. He's after everything. He's after everything. Your love for God, Jesus wanted to model for us. Jesus wanted to model. When you're attacked by the enemy, when you're beaten by the enemy, you're at your weakest point. You're at your weakest point. And the enemy comes in and he says, you're not called. You're a loser. You're not going to win. You're nothing. What is he saying? He says, leave God. He's been unfaithful to you. He doesn't know who you are. He's forgotten all about you. Why? Because he wants your authority. Because you are called. You know, I I like to think of it like this. The enemy goes after God's people. He wants to beat you up until you're dead. And when you're dead, he'll leave you alone. So if you're still getting beat up, you know you're alive. There's hope. If you're dead and he's bothering with you, then you got trouble. But as long as he's bugging you, as long as he's trying to beat you up and tell you're a loser, there's hope. Because you're still alive in Christ. So the enemy wants to derail our destiny. He wants to beat us up. First, he, he, he tempts us to sin. Then we sin. Then he beats us up because of our sin. Then he blames God for, for us feeling beat up. And then he says, leave God and worship me. But God brought it all back to God and he said, he surrendered it to God and he said, I will worship him and worship him only. I surrender to him. I submit to him only. So the battle is won when our eyes are off the battle and back on the Lord. Amen? I have this this really dear friend. She was raised in a very abusive home. Her father abused her in every possible way he could. He he messed with her mind. He was narcissistic. And he, you know, have you ever heard of gaslighting? People make you think you're crazy. He did that to her. And she finally went crazy. She became bipolar, schizophrenic. She was suicidal. She tried, it is a miracle she's even alive. She tried to commit suicide so many times. She cut herself 
all the time. She got married to a man who loved her. She was, became born again. She had three amazing, beautiful children. And still she hated herself so bad, she just wanted to be dead. She wanted God so bad, she didn't think she deserved him. Because she was told she didn't. And she went finally to a man named Andrew Womack. Do you know, anybody know Andrew Womack? Okay, now I gotcha. Okay, she got into his Karis Institute. She started learning the word of God. She's written two beautiful books, and every one of it is a message to her from God, all about love, love, intimacy, love, 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 love. And it changed her life. God healed her of everything. Bipolar, schizophrenia, split personality, depression, suicide, everything gone. 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 But see, Andrew Womack saw something in her that nobody else saw. He saw what Jesus could do. Right? Prophecy isn't any good if you're prophesying and seeing the obvious. If you're seeing something that nobody else thinks could even possibly happen, that's God. Because he, he wants to show himself and reveal himself to us. He is the valuer of mankind. Satan is the devaluer of mankind. He brings the truth and he redefines us back into what he always planned, which was made in his image. So I want to talk a little bit about Luke 10, verse 30. About the Samaritan man. It says, There was a man, a Jewish man, going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same room. When he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Look after him. Until I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. That's the story of... The Samaritan that saw a value in a man who'd been beaten up. Now I can stand here and say I have felt like that man. I can say I have been so beaten up at times I, I was holding on to sanity. Holding on to God for all I'm worth. Right? I can say I've been that man. How many people can say they've been somewhat like that man where you have been beaten up and left, discarded as if you're dead? That man could not by any means function at any level of normalcy. He'd been beaten. He'd been attacked. He was left. His value was reduced and diminished in most people's eyes. His value was diminished as though he was nothing. And you saw the, the priest and the Levite go by, and what do they see? What do they see? They see a man that's beaten up. They see a man that's beaten up. They don't see who he was. They don't see who loved him. 
They don't see His destiny. They don't see His value. They don't see what God sees in Him. What they see is something that's rejected and left. His potential, His destiny, it looks like it's not even there. Like He's lost everything. And then comes along the Samaritan. Now how many of you can relate with him too? You come along the road, usually the Samaritan personality is somebody that's been beat up themselves. And the Lord has saved them. And so they can recognize what's going on here. Right? They can recognize it. So a lot of times, Christians come along and they see somebody that's been beaten up and they see them in that state. Everybody looked at her and they saw her problems. They saw her issues. They saw the contempt that her father had for her. But then somebody came along who saw what Jesus could do, that Jesus had value on this woman and changed her life. And that's what he does with us. He, he, he values us even though the enemy has leveled attack after attack against us. He continues to value us. But a lot of times the church, you know, you go into a church and you've got to hide your problems. Because you know everybody in there, they just want to see the smile on your face. How are you doing? Well, you don't dare tell them. <laughs> I'm about to go crazy. I feel beat up. I feel like a loser. Somebody tell me I'm not a loser, right? That's what church should be. You're not a loser. You're royalty. You're made in the image of God. You are not a loser. The devil is losing you. He's the loser. He tried his best. Now he's losing you. Right? Because so often when that Samaritan, when the agenda that, that, that was against that, that man, the wounded man on the road, it's, it's, it's trying to steal everything from him, from his reality. So a lot of times we, we think of the wounded man, he was punched, he was hit. Who knows what, he, what happened to him? But it was enough to basically make him unconscious. But a lot of times wounds don't make you unconscious. You don't see the effects of the wound. Because the wounds go deep. And you're still walking, you're still breathing, but you're basically beaten. Because you're, you're hearing these things in your head. You're feeling these things in your heart. And you're just a walking, wounded, and rejected beaten up man left by the side of the road. And we walk into church with a smile on our face and say, it's all good. That's what the enemy does. He targets someone who's so beloved of the Lord and he sets out an agenda and he works his ways in that person. And if the church doesn't see what's actually going on, they can actually be a part of the problem. You know, when I was 16, I was called by the Lord at 8. I didn't want to be called by the Lord. When you're 8, you just want to be normal. <laughs> I, I had a big goal in mind for myself, being normal. <laughs> that was huge. But by the time I was 16, my mom and my brother were killed in a car accident. I just had my dad and my other brother left. My mom was my world. She was my world. So when she died... I was still alive. I'd like to say I just soared through that with no problems at all. But I was one big walking wound. 
I didn't know which way was up. And unfortunately, I went to a church who didn't have half a brain. You think the 16-year-old kids that just lost their half their family, that's normal? They're going to be just all perky and fun and everything? No, they're going to be screwed up. And you got to get in there. And you got to pitch. You got to get in there and you got to fight for them. The last thing that person needs is a bunch of gossip and slander. They decided since my mom was on to go, I was going to go downhill. They decided that at that moment. Well, that's just what happens, you know. We're brilliant. People, when tragedy happens, people go downhill. They lose touch with God. Isn't that what happens? Well, I hope that I've proved them wrong. Because in spite of all their nonsense, (laughs) praise God. You know, I had a Samaritan woman in my life. Her name was Grandma Pearl. She wasn't really my grandma, but she discipled my whole family, so she was like my grandma. I actually grew up thinking she really was, and then I found out she wasn't, and I was disappointed. (laughs) But she discipled my whole family, and she believed in me, and she prayed. She just prayed and prayed and prayed. And I know she prayed some people out of my life. She prayed some people into it. I literally, I went, was it 16, 18, two years and I met this guy. He was an answer to somebody's prayer. Because <laughs> he's so cute. Oh my goodness. He was so cute. He was the, what did they call it? They called it B-M-O-C. Big man on campus. <laughs> he wouldn't agree with that. But a lot of girls liked him. They were a lot of girls after that fella. <laughs> and he was so cute. I thought, I can't get a guy that good. I can't do it. I'm just a small, beat-up girl from a town nobody's ever heard of in a state. Hardly anybody knows is in the United States of America. My dad's probably one of the poorest dudes in town, and he's just a factory worker, and who am I, right? Who am I? I'm just the apple of God's eyes, and I got the fella that everybody wanted. (laughs) Right? Right. He was my Samaritan. You know, one of the first things he told me, he said, you're smart. Never, nobody ever told me that. (laughs) He said, you're smart. You're smart. Right? That's what I needed. That was a band-aid to my soul. That was like um, Alka-Seltzer Plus to a, <laughs> when you want to throw up. That was a bandage to my soul. Him just saying, you're amazing, you're funny, you're smart, you're pretty. I like that one the best. <laughs> he, he was the Samaritan guy. He took me to the inn. He's, he poured into me. He was my good Samaritan, right? We've all got somebody that's telling us the truth, hopefully. If you don't have somebody, come talk to me. If you don't have somebody telling you the truth, I'll tell you the truth. Okay? (laughs) Listen to the truth of God. Listen to the Word of God. Listen to the Word of God. And if nobody else is speaking life into you, you read life. Because that book's got life in it. If you think you're going to lose your mind, it's your Prozac. It's your painkiller. If you're in pain, it's everything you need. It's life because it's the truth. It's the absolute truth of who you are. You were made in his image. Why? Why? Because he wanted a child to love. 
a child that looked like him. I wrote a song years ago. It, the lyrics were something like, it was a prophetic word the Lord gave me. And it was something like, can you see this person? Don't you think they're beautiful? They look just like me. Don't you think he looks like me? Don't you think she looks like me? Over and over and over again, rejoicing, rejoicing over his kids. Telling all of heaven, grabbing some angel by the wing and saying, Look, did you just see? Did you just see what they just did? Did you see that? Constantly, 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 constantly loving us, loving us, loving us, loving us, loving us into wholeness. And I'm telling you, anybody that God loves, the enemy's going to be after. Because there's something you're supposed to do, something you're supposed to say. And the enemy wants to stop you from saying it. When Jesus was at his lowest point, he was so hungry, he was so weak, the enemy came and said, if you are the Son of God, knowing full well he was the Son of God, if you're called, if you're going to save the world, if, if, if. He'd been trying to kill him since he was a baby. The enemy comes at us with the same stuff and he says, doubt your calling, doubt your destiny. You're no good. You're not smart enough. You couldn't possibly. That's for fancy people out here. Right? The only problem is that Jesus walked away focusing on God Almighty, his heavenly father. Jesus walked away. You know what he did? He walked away and he started fulfilling Bible prophecy. After he went through that attack from the enemy. And he, from that time on, Jesus began to pe- preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Because he knew who he was. Because he listened to God. He listened to God and not the accusations of the enemy. In Genesis 127, it says, So God created human beings in his own image. In his image, God, he created them male and female. If you can't, if we can't value who we are, if we can't value other people, then value the image of God. It doesn't matter if somebody has been a drunk all their lives, they were made in the image of God. If they're on drugs, they've been made in the image of God. And there's a level of respect that we give people who society doesn't think deserves respect. When we give that respect and honor their humanity, it is like the utmost worship to our God. Because he say as you do to the least of these you've done to me. So as you do the le- as you do to the least of these. We don't even think about that, do we? They walking into prisons and ministering to prisoners, walking into brothels, walking into homeless shelters, walking into church half the time. You do unto the least of these, you are worshiping as unto Him. That's worship to God because you're valuing the image of Almighty God that is here present on the earth. When Jesus was tried by the enemy, He walked away. And he began his ministry. He did not let anything the enemy threw at him define him. And every time you've been beaten up and you're left on the side of the road and you're feeling unconscious, that's the time the enemy wants to come in and redefine who you are. You're a failure, you're a loser. 
You're no good. He wants to redefine us. Why? He's terrified of us. And so many people, so many people in the church even, have allowed themselves to be redefined. You know, my friend, she was utterly, absolutely defined by every horrible thing her father said to her. She had a hope in her heart that there was something more. And she was disappointed time and time and time again until one day she wasn't disappointed anymore. And she found what she was looking for, a heavenly father. You know, I, I got to be friends with her because on Father's Day she called me and she said, it's really hard for me on Father's Day because her father won't have anything to do with her. He rejected her. And it was hard on her. And I said, you know what? I said, I have a similar problem. You know what I do? Father's Day is a day that I worship my father, my heavenly father, the father who stayed with me so I didn't lose my mind. The father started talking to me when I was seven years old. And nobody believed me because who, who would, what kind of God talks to seven-year-olds? You know? You know, here's the thing. This God is our father. I had a hard time because I felt so much guilt from my father. My mom was, like, an amazing Christian. She was like, I can't wait for y'all to meet my mama. She's literally just so amazing. But I felt so much guilt. My dad's family, they, were, they had PhDs in how to make you feel guilty. I mean, they, they were good at it. Really, really good. And I'd fall for it every time. And then one day the Lord got in my face. Because I said to my Heavenly Father, I said, but He's my Father. Right? So I have to let Him run over me with a truck because, you know, He's my dad, right? That was my thing I had in my head. So I say that to God, and he says, I was your father first. Now that redefined me. <laughs> That's some serious redefining. Okay, you're my dad, so then what does that mean? Well, how, what do you think of God? Is he almighty? I've got an almighty dad. Yes. He is the king of kings, creator of the universe, and he's my papa. He's my papa. Talk about redefining you. Redefining you. No wonder the devil hates us so bad. Our dad's papa. He's papa God. No wonder the enemy wants to stop us at every turn. Because our dad is almighty. When we realize who our father really is, we will liberate the darkness. We will set the world on fire. When we truly know who our papa is. Right? Right. Yes. <laughs> you, you have... God Almighty who spoke the world into being and He wants to be your dad. He wants to be your family. He wants to redefine you as royalty. He wants you to do greater works than Jesus. That's your destiny. And that's the truth of who you are. That's the truth of who you are. So we have people in our lives all the time, just like the priest and just like the Levite. They come and they go. Because they don't see anything of value. They're too busy. 
And they miss the moment of real ministry. Do you understand that? The priest was a minister. And he missed his moment of ministry because he was too busy doing ministry. Do you see that? So we got to back up and we got to think, what is ministry? Ministry is people. Ministry isn't giving prophetic words as beautiful and powerful as prophetic words are. People are more important. People are the reason for the prophetic words. I've seen people stomped all over because somebody thinks a prophetic word is more important. And I'm like, Wait, why, do we even, why do we even have prophetic words? Isn't that God talking to his people? Right? But we've lost something along the way. We've gotten too fast. We've gotten, we've gotten mixed up. We've, we've gotten... That's what the enemy does. He wants to take us away from what we're supposed to be doing to where we miss the moment. We miss the moment. The Bible says in Luke 11.31, it says, The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with the people of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. That's huge. That's huge. The queen of Sheba. The queen of Sheba. She was rich. She was in charge of everything. She was a big deal. She left her kingdom to go all this way because there was a moment where she could meet up with God. There was a moment. She didn't miss her moment. Just like the Levite and the priest, they missed their moment. They wanted to be used by God, hopefully. But they missed their moment to be used by God. And you know, the Samaritan, he wasn't even, he was a Jew, but he wasn't even the right kind of Jew. Did you know the Samaritans came from the tribe of Manasseh and somebody else? They came from somebody. Manasseh and Ephraim, they were the sons of Joseph. Right? But unfortunately, they built an altar before the Lord on Mount Gerizim and not Mount Sinai. And so the rest of the Jews rejected them because they built their altar on the wrong mountain. But they were Joseph's sons, and Joseph saved them all. But they're bad. They're Samaritans. They're bad. And yet, they were the ones who didn't miss that moment where they could step in and be the hand of God for somebody else. So, you know, we go through trials, and, and, and a lot of times the enemy will take those trials and he'll up in our face and all these things. we got to take the mind of that Samaritan, and we've got to use that for ourselves, and say, I am valuable. We got to say that oh, to ourselves until we believe it. We got to say, I'm made in God's image. I am valuable. God wants to use me. Sometimes you have to be your own Samaritan. You just do. But the enemy wants to control us, devastate us, in order to steal and enslave us. It doesn't matter what, what the enemy throws out of us. Fear, pride, hate, anything just to stop us from following God. So how do you get the best revenge? Follow Him anyway. Just like Jesus did. When you get out of that inn after you're all healed up, you go back out on the road. And as many people as you can 
restore. Do you realize every time we restore a soul, every time we pray for a soul, restore a soul, we are literally stealing Satan's bounty. He's like a pirate. He steals other people. And we steal them back. Right? Right? You steal them back. You start saying those things that that soul needs to hear to restore them back to their God, their loving Father God. Amen? I just want to say, you are good. Just just close your eyes right now and just focus on the Lord. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would speak to your people. You would speak to their hearts, Lord. What the enemy meant for your destruction, God will use for your good. He's going to build a temple around you. And He is going to make you a sacrifice to God. Your life is a sacrifice. Most beautiful, breathtaking fragrance to the Heavenly Father. And He watches everything you do. And He's so proud. And He's not demanding. He's not hateful. He's patient. He's patient. He's so, so patient. And he, he wants so much for you. He wants to take you off the side of the road. And He wants to heal you and restore you. He wants to fill you with Himself. Until literally you are a perfume bottle full of God Almighty on earth. You are so much more powerful than you think you are. You are destined for this hour. There is no one that can stop you. You are the only one can stop you. You don't agree with the things that he said about you. You take off those grave clothes. You get up off of that highway. And you be the light to the world. The fragrance of heaven on earth. You are coming out of that tomb. You are taking off those grave clothes. And you are smarter than you were when you went into that grave. You are smarter. You know who your enemy is. And you know who you are. God has redefined you in the darkness. And He is delivering you and setting you on fire. You are now a torch of God's power and presence on the earth. And the darkness becomes light when you enter it. Do you understand the world is full of darkness? But you are the light. Is it any wonder that you've been attacked and beaten? You are the very light of this world. The darkness cannot stand the light. Do you realize the darkness cannot stand you, but you're the only thing that can save them? Do you realize who you are? Daughters and sons, you are the, you are my children, the most royal family the world has ever known. You are royalty. You are royalty. And you rule with me. You rule with me. And I want you to speak to that darkness. And I want you to declare my truth over it. I want you to speak to the lost and say you're found. I want you to speak to that lunatic and say you are of a sound mind. 
filled with the love and power of God. I want you to speak to the poor man and say, you are rich. I want you to speak to the lonely man and say, your children will love you. He can give a family. He, the word of God says he can give a family. He can make children out of rocks. He can meet our loneliness with his almightiness. There is nothing too difficult for our God. Can you not see, he says, that this moment I have created for you, everything, he says, that's going on in the world right now is preparing at this moment a stage for my people, my children, to stand on that stage and declare the truth of me and who I am and how much I love them. This moment is created for you. So you stand for the hour of your deliverance is coming. And when you are delivered, you will be my light to the world. Thank you, God. Praise you, God. Father God, I just I plead the blood of Jesus over everybody in here, Lord God, that that you would make them everything you want them to be. And they wouldn't try to be what everybody else thinks they need to be. But they would be who you want them to be. They would go where you want them to go. And they would be led by God. And they would bring light into the darkness. God's going to empower your words. Oh, God's going to empower your words. Now, you don't have to have fancy words. He's going to use your words. And he's going to put his life and his light and his love in your words. And when you speak those words, it's going to dispel the darkness. And it will come with such power that they will not be able to forget and though they walk away from you, that hope stays inside of them. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Because every ministry starts with one act, one word, one prayer, one thought, one deed. Do not despise that because the Father doesn't. He sees that as ministry. When you do unto the least of these, you have done unto me. That's what he said. Even a cup of cold water given in his name will bring a rich reward.